Hey there, Cremaholics. Welcome back. It is your host, Kinsey, and I'm here for another Friday episode. It is Halloween weekend, and I am so excited as this is one of my favorite holidays out of the entire year. I hope everybody has a really safe and fun holiday with their family. Try to keep in mind all of the families that we have covered here on Cremaholics as they will go through the next few months without their loved ones, whether they have been missing or murdered. It is a very tough time of the year for all of these families. On this Friday's episode, I will be talking about a case that is actually suggested quite a bit for us. It is one that major developments have been happening over the last year and so I wanted to wait to actually cover this case but today I will be bringing you the murder of Brittany Drexel. She was a 17 year old teenager who lived in Rochester, New York and took a trip down to Myrtle Beach with her friends to never return home alive. Brittany Drexel grew up in Chile, New York, which is a suburb of Rochester, New York, and she lived there with her mom and siblings. Brittany's biological dad had left their family when Brittany was very young, but not long after, her mom meets Brittany's stepdad, Chad Drexel, who was in the military at the time when they had first met. Brittany was the girl who was always described as somebody who was very social. She lit up the room and just always had this huge heart of gold. Growing up, Brittany played soccer for her local high school, Chili Gates High School. Brittany was said to be an excellent soccer player and had a major passion for it. Brittany was actually born with some type of rare eye disease that caused her to have multiple surgeries to try and correct this issue that she had, but unfortunately, it would ultimately leave Brittany blind in her right eye, but this never let her interfere when it came to soccer. While in high school, Brittany also excelled when it came to her grades, but that would begin to change as her senior year of high school rolled around when Brittany's mother and stepfather Chad Drexel made the decision to get a divorce. And from everything that I have read from Brittany's family and friends all said that Brittany began to change once this divorce happened. Because Brittany takes this divorce very hard, she begins to struggle with depression and her grades are really reflecting that and even her love for soccer. Brittany not only is struggling in school, but she's also struggling at home. Her mom and her were fighting and arguing all the time and this was something that was completely out of the norm for their relationship. In April of 2009, during Brittany's junior year of high school, there was just major tension at home between her and her mom, and Brittany wanted to get away with her friends and her on-again, off-again boyfriend named John, who she had been on-again, off-again for the last two years. They wanted to take a trip down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For those of you who are not familiar with Myrtle Beach, it is a very large tourist area, but over the years, Myrtle Beach has become not as nice of a place as it has once been. Myrtle Beach was about a 12 to 13 hour drive from Rochester, New York. Brittany was super excited for the trip and wanted to sit down and have a serious conversation with her mom about it because again, she's going through all this crap. She's depressed. She's struggling with her grades. There's so much tension at home. She just wants to be able to use this trip as a way to cool off and clear her head. 
Brittany and her mom sit down and they have this conversation about it. Brittany is very mature, explains to her mom that she really just needs to get away. But Brittany will be totally shocked to find out that her mom does not support this trip at all. She tells Brittany, I do not want you going that far away. There's not going to be any parental supervision. I'm so worried that something is going to happen. You will not be going on this trip. Brittany again tries to explain to her mom that nothing is going to happen to her. She's going to be perfectly fine. Can she please go? She really just needs to be able to get away. But her mom just says that she at the time had this intuition inside of her that something bad was going to happen. As a mother myself, I 100% understand mother's intuition. There has been multiple times throughout my daughter's life that I had just felt uneasy or wrong about a situation. And most of the time, if I let the situation play out, I would be correct. So I understand why her mom did not want her going after having that bad gut feeling and I can agree with the fact that being 16, 17 years old is probably not the safest thing to drive 12 to 13 hours away to a very big tourist area hub with no parental supervision where there's going to be nothing but spring break partying going on which means there's gonna be tons of alcohol and possibly drugs you just don't know what type of situation your kid's gonna get into so I fully agree with why Brittany's mom did not want her taking this trip and her mother's intuition would be very right as something very bad did happen to her daughter Brittany would be super upset with her mom that she is not allowing her to go on this trip but Brittany tells her fine whatever I won't go I'll miss out on this trip and I'll just hang out with my friends here in town Little did her mom know that Brittany has full plans to still attend this vacation spring break trip. And on April 23rd, 2009, Brittany tells her mom that she's going to one of her friend's houses that just lives not too far from their home and that she'll see her in a couple of days. But Brittany packed her suitcase, gets in the car, and drives 13 hours away to South Carolina with her group of friends. And later that night after making the long trip, they arrive at the Bar Harbor Hotel. And if you know anything about Myrtle Beach or if you have taken these high school spring break trips yourself, then you know that most of the time these kids are staying in really shitty hotels that are very run down. And that is exactly what the Bar Harbor Motel is. It's a hotel that is super run down, kind of trashy, but these are 16, 17, 18 year old kids. They just don't care. And let's be real here, these are teenage kids, so they're likely on a major budget, so of course they're not going to be able to stay in some really nice, fancy hotel. On the night of April 23rd, Brittany checks in with her mom and tells her that she is watching movies with her friends and that they had the plans the next day to go to the beach. When she said the beach, she was referring to Lake Ontario that locals in the Rochester area would frequent. Brittany's mom tells her that she loves her and that she would talk to her soon and she had planned on attending a barbecue that her family is hosting the very next day. All while Brittany's mom believes she is safe just miles away from their home, Brittany is enjoying her time down in Myrtle Beach with her friends. However, Brittany was not enjoying her time with the friends that she originally took the trip with. With Myrtle Beach being such a big vacation hub, it was not uncommon to run into friends who were also on vacation, especially during spring break. It was reported that Brittany did not actually hang out too much with her original friend group. She had spent most of her days on the beach and nights clubbing with the people she met on 
the beach or with her friend Peter, who she happened to know from back home in Rochester. According to Brittany's original friend group, this guy Peter and her friends were very big into the drug scene, but Brittany just was not that type of girl, so she did not participate when it came to those type of activities. She had also met up with another unnamed boy on the beach while on this trip who was from the state of Illinois. I won't talk about this boy too much just yet, but it's said that nothing stood out or was off or odd about the time that they had spent together. On Saturday, April 25th, Brittany makes contact with her mom one more time to tell her that she does not plan to come home that night, that she wants to stay out with her friends again, but she would see her sometime on Sunday. This was the day that Brittany and her friends had planned to make the drive back from Myrtle Beach to New York, but Brittany would never make it home. On Saturday night, sometime around 8.40ish, Brittany is seen leaving the Bar Harbor Hotel alone. She plans to walk a mile and a half down to Blue Water Resort to see her friend Peter and his friends. After she walks the mile and a half to the resort, she is seen on the camera footage entering the Blue Water Resort and goes up to Peter's room where him and his buddies had spent the entire afternoon watching a baseball game on TV. Just 15 minutes after being in Peter's room, she receives a call from one of the girls that she had originally came to Myrtle Beach with. This girl is being kind of nasty to Brittany and tells her that she needs to return back to the hotel right away, no exceptions, because Brittany was wearing her shorts and she wanted to wear them out that night. Peter and his friends overheard this phone call and said that the girl was being really rude to Brittany. Brittany, being the kind-hearted girl she is, says she'll return the shorts right away and she would start walking back to the hotel even though she had just gotten there 15 minutes prior. Brittany is once again seen exiting the Blue Water Resort alone to walk back to her hotel. As she is walking back, she is texting her on-again, off-again boyfriend, John, and she tells him that she has her bags packed already and is ready to head home first thing in the morning and that she is completely done and just over this trip, which I can't blame her because her friends have done nothing but reportedly treat her like garbage this entire time. Obviously, they've got some type of issue with Brittany and they were just mean enough to make her walk back to this hotel when they know she had just arrived at the resort to hang out with her friends. It seems kind of petty to fight over a pair of shorts, but sometimes girls can just be mean. Her boyfriend is texting her, telling her to try and enjoy the rest of their time there and to hurry up back to hotel, but John would never receive that last text back. As some time passes, John continues to try and get a hold of Brittany and check on her because he knows that she is making this walk back alone, but Brittany is still silent. John gets worried and begins to start calling Brittany, but all of the calls go unanswered. He makes the decision to threaten Brittany with calling her mom and telling her the entire truth if she does not return his calls or texts, but still, there is no answer from Brittany. This really freaks out John and has him thinking something bad has happened. So he calls Brittany's mom and tells her the entire truth that Brittany was not in New York like she thought that she was and that she had in fact been in Myrtle Beach this entire time and that Brittany is nowhere to be found. He explains to her mom that he has called her, he has texted her, and there's just no answer from her and that Brittany had been walking from one resort to the next and that she was upset and wanted to come home and he was not sure what to do but he knew he had to call her mom as quick as he could. 
With Brittany's mom completely stunned because her daughter has never done anything like this before, she begins to blow up her phone in hopes she would answer and tell her that she was perfectly fine and safe, but that would never happen. When the next day rolls around, April 26, 2009, and there is no sign of Brittany, her mom makes a missing persons report and then takes a 13-hour drive down to Myrtle Beach to find her daughter. Once she arrives to Myrtle Beach, she has this gut, overwhelming feeling that something bad has happened to Brittany, but she's hoping that she's just going to run into her daughter and her daughter would be perfectly safe. Her mom meets with the police in Myrtle Beach and they go over to the Bar Harbor Motel where she was staying and sees that all of her belongings are still there. Her mom explains to the police that Brittany would just never leave her things behind the way she did if she had left willingly. She would have definitely taken them with her. It is now Sunday and the police begin to question the friends that she took the trip with. The girls that had been treating Brittany really poorly on this trip wanted absolutely nothing to do with help finding her. They had eventually moved out of the hotel that they were in and got another hotel because they decided that they wanted to stay an extra day instead of going home. And there was never really any reason why that they did this. It was never explained to the public or the police or any of the parents. They just decided that they were going to stay an extra day. The girls went to the beach that day to enjoy their time instead of doing what they should have been doing and trying to help locate their friend. When the police called all of their cell phones to ask if they knew where Brittany was or if they had any information about her whereabouts, they said they did not know where Brittany was and they just hung up the phone. It has been reported that these girls never even tried to help search for Brittany, nor did they care enough to check in with her mom after returning home to see if there had been any new developments with Brittany's disappearance or even care enough to just find out what happened to Brittany. And if you ask me, these are not friends. These are really shitty people. As the days continue, there is still no sign of Brittany, but police are still continuing to question all of the people she had been with during the trip. They questioned Peter and all of his friends, but they had all credible alibis, so they were ruled out very quickly. They move on to question the boy from Illinois who I had mentioned earlier. He is the one who actually reached out to police first when he had saw that Brittany went missing, so it was not like the police had to track him down. When he saw the information about Brittany missing in the news, he could is the one who calls the police and says that he hung out with Brittany while he was there in Myrtle Beach and he even goes as far as turning over some footage that he had taken of Brittany on his cell phone. From what I have read and seen it looks like these videos were videos that he had taken of Brittany that she may have not actually known that he was taking at the time. They were just kind of like side profile videos of Brittany and they were just videos of her texting on her cell phone and it looks like she's completely oblivious to him taking these videos which is kind of creepy in a way but this kid was very quickly ruled out in connection to her disappearance. The police had no reason to believe that this guy had anything to do with why Brittany was missing. The days begin to turn into weeks and the weeks turn into months and there's still no trace of Brittany. At the end of 2009, her mom makes the move down to Myrtle Beach to be closer to the area to help find her daughter. The police during this time say that they now have four persons of interest but do not release any information to the public beyond that. 
During the first few days of this investigation, the police looked at her phone pings, and the very last place her phone had pinged was in a town called Georgetown, South Carolina, which was actually 60 miles away from Myrtle Beach. This town has tons and tons of swamplands and a ton of gators. They did this search in this area very quickly because they were concerned about the wildlife getting to Brittany's body, but nothing turned up during this search. The police began to get kind of frantic in this investigation because her phone pinging 60 miles away from Myrtle Beach could mean several different things. It could mean that somebody did in fact take Brittany over to Georgetown and that her body is somewhere located in Georgetown or it could mean that somebody was headed on the way to Georgetown and while they were going through Georgetown Brittany's phone died or somebody maybe have broken it and they are continuing on the road with Brittany which means the further she's going to get away from Myrtle Beach the less chances they are going to have to find Brittany alive. In December of 2009, shortly after announcing that they have four persons of interest in Brittany's disappearance, campers that were camping around the Georgetown area said that they had found a pair of knockoff Prada sunglasses that were believed to be Brittany's, which would later be confirmed that they did belong to her. It is now June 2010 and Brittany should have been graduating high school with her friends and walking across that stage to get her diploma, but Brittany is still missing so this graduation looks a lot different for her friends and family. Gates Chili High School honored Brittany at that graduation by giving her family an honorary diploma and sharing memories of Brittany. Things seem to be really fading in this case and there's just not any more evidence coming up. There's no more leads. There's no more tips and her family is really starting to lose hope that they are going to get any answers about what happened to their daughter. However, shortly after this high school graduation, a 37-year-old man named Timothy Sean Taylor was arrested and accused of trying to kidnap a 20-year-old woman in Myrtle Beach. This woman had said that two men had jumped out of a van and tried to abduct her, but thankfully, she was able to hit one of them in the face and escape from being kidnapped. The police in Myrtle Beach take this situation very seriously because they are worried that this attempted kidnapping has something to do with Brittany's disappearance. However, five months after this attempted kidnapping happens, for unknown reasons, all of the charges are dropped and the police come out publicly and say that this attempted kidnapping has nothing to do with Brittany's disappearance. After this June 2010 incident, there would be no more new developments in Brittany's disappearance until August 1st, 2011. On this day in August, the police search an apartment that belonged to a man named Raymond Moody. Before I go into this search of his apartment, I want to talk a little bit about who this vile monster is. So Raymond Moody was a registered sex offender who lived in the Georgetown area. But prior to living in the Georgetown area, he lived in the state of California. While he was in the state of California, he committed seven horrible sexual assaults on very young children ranging from the ages of 5 up to 17 years old. Raymond eventually did go to prison, but he only spent 21 years behind bars before he was let out on parole. One of the victims that he sexually assaulted was an 8-year-old girl who lived in Vallejo, California. It was said that this woman had been walking to the park by herself when she was 8 years old, and she runs into Raymond Moody, who tells her that, oh, I'm sorry, you can't go that way. They're doing some type of construction. You're going to have to turn around and go the other way. When the little girl turns around to go back towards the way she was walking, she says that Raymond was walking 
walking in front of her down the sidewalk and that there was a red car parked by the sidewalk. As Raymond Moody gets to the car, he's standing there at the passenger door and she goes to walk by Raymond, but he snatches her up and throws her into the car. She says that it all happened so quickly and Raymond jumps into the car and speeds down the road. She is in a complete panic as she knows whatever is about to happen to her is not good. She says that Raymond takes her down to this empty lot and he sexually assaults her. She knows that she has to get out of there or she may may not make it out alive, which is a very brave thought for an eight-year-old to think that I have got to get out of here, do what I can to save myself, and she does exactly that. She goes on to explain that after Raymond sexually assaults her, she comes up with the idea that she tells Raymond that she's going to pee in her pants and that she needs to get out of the car to go to the bathroom. Raymond opens up the back passenger door and she hops out of the car and she squats down, but she says that Raymond is holding her by the back of her hair. Somehow she was able to get loose from Raymond's hold and she runs down the sidewalk as far as she can and she happens to run into a husband and wife who were walking their baby she tells them what happened to her and they call the police raymond does finally go to jail for this but like i said after 21 years behind bars he's just a free man how can they let somebody so vile out into our society so now that i have caught you up on how horrible this guy is i want to talk about this search of his apartment the police got a tip that this man, Raymond Moody, happened to be in the Myrtle Beach area around the time that Brittany disappeared and they knew that he was a registered sex offender. How they found out about this was because Raymond had gotten pulled over by the police and was given a speeding ticket. The police then decide that they were going to search Raymond's apartment, but this is already two years after Brittany has disappeared, so they're not sure exactly if they're going to be able to find anything, but they are are going to try and find what they can to hopefully find some type of evidence to be able to link him to Brittany's disappearance. But unfortunately, during that search on August 1st, 2011, the police turn up absolutely nothing and there's just no sight of Brittany, but they are not keeping Raymond out of their radar just yet. Because in February of 2012, the police had identified him as the very primary suspect in her disappearance. But they just did not have enough evidence to be able to make an arrest. Years would continue to pass on and her family is no closer to finding out what happened to their daughter. In January of 2014, some bones had been found by a passerby but it turns out that those bones belong to a male so her family yet again got their hopes to only be let down that would be until june 2016 when the fbi would come out and drop a huge bombshell about britney's disappearance they tell the public that they have a $25,000 reward waiting for anybody who has any information pertaining to her disappearance. They go on to say that they have information that has led them to believe that Brittany was kidnapped from the Myrtle Beach area, taken to the McClellanville area, held for several days against her will, but was ultimately killed. I want to talk a little bit about this information and how the FBI was given this information because this is obviously a huge bombshell to drop on her family because for years now they have had no answers, no leads, no closer to finding their daughter and the FBI comes out and is like, bam, we have this information 
and we're telling you that your daughter is no longer alive. That's a huge statement to make. So this is how the FBI gets a hold of this information. There is a man who is incarcerated during this time, and he tells the FBI that he has some information about Brittany's disappearance. He goes on to tell them that his friend, Timothy Deshaun Taylor, the man that I mentioned prior in this episode who tried to kidnap the girl in Myrtle Beach, had information about what happened to Brittany. This inmate goes on to tell the FBI that he owed some money to the Taylors and that he had went over there to give them the drug money that he owed. And while he was there, he saw Brittany Drexel inside their home. He says that Brittany was running from a room and was trying to escape out the door But Timothy Deshaun Taylor caught Brittany and shot her in the head. He continues to go on to tell police that Brittany had been held against her will for several days and that she had been sexually assaulted multiple times by Timothy Deshaun Taylor and these other males that were in the home. As time goes on, he continues to change his story. He first says that he just seen her that one time and that she had been killed. And then he goes on to tell the police that he had seen her over a four-month span. He had said that when he went to the home multiple times, every single time, Brittany was inside the home. But then he says on the night when Brittany was shot by Timothy Deshaun Taylor, he says that Timothy shot Brittany for trying to escape and he had rolled her up into a rug and he had taken her out to the swamplands in Georgetown and fed her to the Gators. This is a major accusation to make against somebody. And there was no real evidence backing up this story. But the police knew that Timothy Deshaun Taylor happened to have a warrant out for his arrest shortly after this information was given to them. So they arrest Timothy Deshaun Taylor to hold him on these charges for his warrant to start questioning him about Brittany Drexel. While they are questioning Timothy Deshaun Taylor, he tells them he has no idea who Brittany is. He has nothing to do with her disappearance and that they got the wrong guy. Once Brittany's family is given this information by the police, they are obviously heartbroken because they were just told that their daughter was no longer alive and that she was brutally murdered and brutally sexually assaulted for days or possibly months before her murder. Of course, her family is going to be heartbroken, but they finally got the answers that they had been looking for. But they were so confused on why arrest has never been made against Timothy Deshaun Taylor. Just one year after Timothy was originally arrested by police for that warrant that he had, he was released on time served. And her family was just distraught knowing that this man is likely responsible for their daughter's brutal sexual assault and murder. For a very long time after Timothy was released from prison, there was no new developments made in Brittany's disappearance. There was no headway being made and her case continued to go cold. Her family was just so confused and distraught because this information was handed over by somebody who witnessed Brittany inside Timothy's home and he even failed a polygraph test when he was questioned about Brittany's disappearance. But we all know that polygraph tests are just not reliable. So her family continues to go on for several years, heartbroken and feeling no closure. 
That was until May 4th, 2022, when her family finally got the information that they had been waiting for for years. On this day, Raymond Moody was arrested and charged with obstruction of justice. Raymond Moody, again, was always one of the prime suspects in Brittany's disappearance. The police, for whatever reason, had questioned him one more time about Brittany Drexel. They were able to arrest him on obstruction of justice because he lied about being in that area at the time of her disappearance. He said he was never there. But again, we remember he was there because he got that speeding ticket. After the police arrest him, they finally get what they had been waiting for. Raymond Moody confesses to the rape and murder of 17-year-old Brittany Drexel. He goes on to tell police that on the night of April 25th, he had been driving through Myrtle Beach. He saw Brittany walking down the street back to her hotel and he convinced Brittany to be able to get into his car. He says that he drove her the 60 miles to Georgetown where he lived. He had taken Brittany down by the river and he had brutally sexually assaulted her. He says after he sexually assaults Brittany, he manually strangles her to death and buries her body. Raymond Moody goes on to tell police exactly where her body is located, so they go out to the site and they start digging. But a couple of days go by and they're really just not finding anything. But on May 11th, they announce that they finally find human remains right in the area where he said her body would be. On May 16th, 2022, Georgetown County Sheriff Carter Weaver makes the announcement that the remains found just days earlier were identified through dental records as those of 17-year-old Brittany Drexel. He goes on to say that Raymond Moody was charged with murder, kidnapping, and criminal sexual conduct for her death and disappearance. He also makes a statement to the Taylor family and says, Throughout the investigation, Law enforcement followed multiple leads to wherever they led us, based on the information that we were given at the time. We have an obligation to follow the leads to their conclusion. The person we believe is responsible for Brittany's murder has now been charged. And they made a formal apology to Timothy Deshaun Taylor. Just a few weeks later, on May 31st, the Georgetown County Coroner Chase Ridgeway announced that Brittany Drexel's cause of death was undetermined due to the condition of the skeletal remains. There is so many things that could be said about Brittany Drexel's murder, but one thing that really sticks out in my head is the fact that the man that was responsible for her death is somebody who was a convicted sex offender. They did not just do this once. They did it seven times and was released back into society. Had he never been released back into society, Brittany would still be alive today. There was multiple people within Raymond Moody's life that saw he was doing things that were very suspicious and not one person thought to alert law enforcement. There was a man who used to date Raymond Moody. The two of them had met when Raymond Moody was in prison. They continued to date after Raymond got out of prison. Sometime during their relationship, Raymond and him split up. And on the night of April 25th, this man said that Raymond Moody shows up to his home in the middle of the night. He says that he needs to pick up some tools. And he notices that Raymond is just completely covered in claw marks all over his head, all over his face, and all over his neck. 
He said it looked a little weird, but he didn't really question it and just kind of let it go from his head. He knew exactly what kind of man Raymond Moody was. He knew that he was a convicted sex offender, convicted seven different times for raping children, and not one time did he think to call law enforcement when his ex walks into his house completely clawed up the way he did. Brittany Drexel was very much failed by the entire justice system. Raymond Moody should have never been allowed out from prison. Brittany Drexel's life was taken at such a young age. She had so much to live for, and our justice system completely failed her and her family. Crimeholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at crimeholics.podcast where I will have pictures of Brittany Drexel posted. Or if you would like, you can follow me personally at this is Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I underscore. Crimeholics, as always, be aware and take care. 